begin by saying Merry Christmas. Yeah, don't happy holiday me. Merry Christmas. Hey, I got to tell you uh, what happened in case you, you missed it. If you were here for that opening video, let me, let me tell you how incredible our, 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 our guys are in the band. On their own, without telling anybody, they drove up. This is the idea they had. They drove up to Gainesville at, and, and got there. They shot that at 3 o'clock in the morning one, because they didn't want to deal with the police. So they shot that at 3 o'clock in the morning on the square at Gainesville. Came back to our production team and said, hey, we did something on our own. Got an idea. Just wondered if you could use it. They were playing up here. They weren't lip syncing, so to speak. They were playing that music in time with that video. And they did all that on their own. And I just want you to let them know how much you love them and appreciate the great job that they did. I mean, that really, really was incredible. Well, every Christmas, I'm going to be honest, I ask a question every Christmas. And if you're honest, you ask the same question. Every Christmas, I ask myself, okay, what am I going to get this year I can't use? Now, don't, don't, don't look holy at me. We all ask the same question, right? Or what am I going to get? Somebody's going to give me something I don't need. Somebody's going to give me something, and I'm going to say the next person that makes me mad, that's what they're getting for Christmas next year, right? That's, that's what we do. Well, if you're a guest of ours this morning, we're in a series calling, that we're calling Regifted. And one of the things that we're learning as we look at the Christmas story is there really are some things that are worth regifting. There are just gifts that are just too good to keep to yourselves. And as a matter of fact, I hope that this gift that I got, I opened up one last week, I hope that this gift falls into that category. I, I'm, you know, somebody has been giving me a gift for this regifted series, and I know what this is. You may not know what it is. It may not look like most of you. It's a little bit tattered. And it's a little bit worn. But that is a security blanket. Now, when we were children, most of us had what child psychologists call a comfort object or, or a security blanket, something like that. My son Jonathan did. Okay, as a matter of fact, I want to show you a picture. This is that security blanket that Teresa has kept all of these years. Now, maybe you had one of those. Maybe it was a blanket. Maybe it was a stuffed animal. Maybe it was something else. But, but we held on to something because it made us, when we were kids, feel safe and secure. And, and psychologists even tell us that there are, 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 are comfort objects like this and the reason why they're important to children is because even though they may grow up in a home environment that's not ideal, there, there's something about a blanket or an animal or something they can carry with them. There's something about that that brings them peace of mind. It gives them a sense that, hey, I'm safe and, and, and things are going to work out and things are going to be okay. And <clears throat> as I look at all of the uncertainty and all of the unrest in our world, I really believe what this world needs is just one big security blanket. I mean, I mean, you think about it, everywhere you look, every single place you look, you don't see rest and, and, and peace and security, you see unrest, you see worry. You almost get the feeling that the world's under this one continuous panic attack. As a matter of fact, as I was working on this message just a few weeks ago, rockets were being fired from the Gaza Strip over into Israel. Israel was retaliating by dropping rockets on the Palestinians. Every single day, look what's on the front page of the newspaper. Are we going to go over this fiscal cliff or not? And if that isn't bad enough, what is the world coming to? We're going to have to go without Twinkies. I mean, what, what's happening? And I have to be honest, in all the years I've been a pastor, I have never, ever seen so many people 
worried about so much and worried so much in all of my ministry. They're worried about everything. People are worried about their finances. They're worried about their retirement. They're worried about their 401K. They're worried about the, the stock market. People who have jobs are worried if they're going to keep them. People that don't have jobs are worried if they're going to find one. People are worried about their families. Divorce is still an epidemic problem. More kids are living in blended families today than ever before in our history. People are worried about the future. For the first time in the history of our country, Parents now believe that their kids will not be better off than they were. They believe their kids will be less better off than they are today. And you know what's even worse? Their children believe them. The generation coming behind baby boomers and the generation becoming behind them are now convinced things are not going to be better for them. Things are going to be worse. And in the midst of all of this unrest and in the midst of all of this worry and in the midst of all of this consternation, we once again are introduced to this beautiful story called Christmas. And we're going to look again at the account in the Gospel of Luke. If you brought a copy of God's Word, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. It's probably the best known, the most often read, the most repeated story in the Bible. And like it or not, this is the one story that retailers are all over the world are grateful for. Because it is when they make most of their money. I mean, it really is. This, this, is the, this is the month that stores live for. Well, right in the middle of this beautiful story in Luke chapter 2, we read a Christmas promise. It's a promise that God made at the very first Christmas. And you would think it would be music to our ears. And yet when you read it and you look around at what's going on, it's very difficult to believe. So let me pick up the story in Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I realize as much as any story you'll ever hear and any story ever read from any platform in any church, you've heard that story over and over and over. And, and, and yet, not only have we heard this story, but everywhere you go, you really do see this story. It's played out in nativity scenes, theater productions, Christmas carols, everywhere. The problem is not with the story. We love the story. It's a great story. It's what we read next that is both priceless and puzzling at the same time. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. So this angel is talking to these shepherds and he's revealing to them that this baby is going to be born in Bethlehem. And now he's joined by this heavenly choir that sings the first Christmas carol in history. I wish I could have been there. I have been to those shepherds' fields many, many times and it would have been unbelievable because if you had heard this choir, it wasn't just, I mean, it was something else. I mean, you talk about an unbelievable sound. It wasn't just coming through bows. I mean, we're talking cosmic stereo here. I really have, this is my theory, I, I just, just throw this out. I believe that not only the shepherds heard that, I believe every planet in the universe heard that song. And it's a beautiful Christmas carol, but it carries with it this unbelievable promise. Glory to God in the highest. Now watch this. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I want to be honest with you. I'm a pastor 
But I'm going to be very transparent to you. If you struggle with parts of the Bible, don't feel lonely because so do I. If you read the Bible sometime and, and, and you just honestly say, Lord, I don't get that. Lord, I find that very difficult to believe. Lord, I know your word is true, but I think I, I just there's something inside me that says, did you miss this somehow? Here's the part that, I, that, that you, if you're honest, you kind of find hard to accept. It's not the glory to God part. We get that. It's the peace on earth part. That's the part that's difficult to swallow because everything in the story adds up. Till you get to this one word, peace. Now, the angel made a promise. He didn't hesitate. He didn't stammer. He said, because of this baby, there will be peace on earth. So Christ was supposed to bring peace. But I mean, let's call it like it is. You look around and tell me, well, so where is it? It's not in the Middle East. It's not in Afghanistan. It's not in Greece. It's not in the Sudan. It's not on Wall Street. It's not in Washington. Jonathan just got back from Haiti, and some of you saw this on Facebook. He, he was just trying to go back to where he was staying in Haiti, and, and for the first time, he was held up by armed robbers. So it doesn't matter where you go. You, in, even in our American neighborhoods, you don't find, there's, there's some of you, you don't go home to a place of peace, you go home to a place of war. There's not even peace in your own home. And there's certainly not a lot of peace in a lot of hearts. And yet, this is an unconditional promise. The angel said, because of this baby, there will be glory to God and there will be peace on earth. Well, now we've got to put our thinking cap on. You say, you know, that's right. I mean, I, that is kind of hard to accept. But then I turn around and I say, wait a minute. I know God has never made a promise that he hasn't kept. And I know that God has never told a lie. So I've got to dig deeper and I've got to understand what, what, did, what did the angel really mean when he talked about this peace? Well, I don't want you to miss the little phrase that comes after peace. He says, and on earth, peace, and then he adds this phrase, among those with whom he is pleased. Now, you may not know this, but when Jesus Christ was about to the go to the cross, he actually did what you and I should do before we die. I told you last year, Teresa and I did this. He made out his last will and testament. I don't know if you know that or not, but he made out his last will and testament, and he, he put every one of us who believe in him, every one of us who have become his followers, he put every one of us in his will. And do you know what he left us? Do you know what he left us in his last will and testament? Listen to this in John 14, 27. He said, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Before Jesus left this earth, before he went to the cross, before he died, before he's buried, before he's raised from the dead, he said, James, in my last will and testament, here's the last thing I'm going to leave you before I leave this planet. I'm going to leave you my peace. But evidently, this is a different kind of peace than what the world gives. And it's a different kind of peace than what the world understands. Because when you dig down, what you find out is that peace that that angel promised was not a human peace. It was a heavenly peace. It was not just a diplomatic peace. It is a divine peace. It's not just an external peace. It is an internal peace. Now, you may be sitting there right now, and you may be saying, James, I don't care what kind of peace it is. I just don't want to, I want to know where to find it. I like to know how to have it. Well, 
33 years later, this little baby, now a grown man, tells us in one other statement that we find in the Gospel of John where to find the peace that many of us are looking for. John 16, verse 33, listen to it. I have said these things to you that in me, let's say that word, those words together, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. How many of you found that to be true? Right? Everybody got trouble. Listen, you're either in the middle of trouble, just coming out of it, about to get into it. Everybody's got trouble. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, the same thing that that angel told those shepherds is the same thing that little baby now tells us. Here's the key. Jesus said, peace is not found in a place. Peace is not found in a position. Peace is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. He said, in me, you will have peace. Now, you're taking notes. This is the key takeaway this morning. This is what I want you to walk out the door with this morning. You ready? Here it is. When Christ is the centerpiece of your life, peace will be at the center of your life. When Christ is the centerpiece of your life, peace will be at the center of your life of your life. See, when you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you, you will have not only peace. Here's the good news. You'll have the kind of peace that only God can give. And what I want to share with you this morning is simply this. There are actually three kinds of peace that God promises to those with whom he is well pleased that we need and that we have. And guess what? We need it for the three different things that rob us of our peace. I'm going to share those with you this morning, okay? Number one, for our sins, we have peace with God. For our sins, we have peace with God. Now, go back and look at the way the angel introduced this baby that would bring peace. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, believe it or not, even the way the Bible writes words, even the order in which the words place is, I believe, a part of God's divine plan. And it's not coincidental that the first title that is given is Savior. But I have to be honest with you. Had I been writing the Bible, and there's a reason why I didn't write it, and I realize that now. Had I been writing the Bible, had I been writing this story, I would have not written the verse that way. I would have not put the title Savior first. I would have put the title Savior last. If I had been writing this verse, here's the way I would have written it. There is born unto you this day in the city of David the Lord who is Christ the Savior. Now you say, well, well, well Pastor, why, why would you have done that? I'll tell you why. He really ultimately is the Savior only for those who believe. He is the Messiah primarily for the Jewish race that is still looking for one. He is the Lord over the entire universe. He is Lord over everything and Lord over everybody. So had I been introducing this baby, if you had come to me and said, who is this baby that was born? I wouldn't have called him Savior first. I wouldn't have called him Messiah first. I said, oh, that's the Lord. Well, I've got a question. Why did the angel introduce him first? as the Savior. Well, remember now, we're talking about peace. And consider how we normally think of the word peace. The opposite of peace is war. Peace is what you have when a war is over. You know, you've got, you've got two nations, they're fighting. One either one wins, one loses, one surrenders, and one, one vanquishes the other, and then you have peace. Well, here's what I want you to understand. The Word of God says, ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and rebelled against God, ever since that moment, the human race has been at war with God. 
And we needed somebody that could come and make peace between us because we're sinners and God because he is holy. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the Old Testament and you look up the word Savior, look at how the word Savior is used, that word describes a deliverer from somebody's enemy. That's what a Savior was, somebody that delivered you from the enemy. Well, when you study your, your Bible, you find out pretty quickly from the, from the very first story in Genesis that the greatest enemy that we face is sin. And the reason why sin is the greatest enemy is because sin is what makes us enemies with God. Now, I know you don't, we don't like to hear that, and that may not sound politically correct. And you say, oh, no, 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 God's a God of love, and God really, I mean, he's just our cosmic buddy up there, and, you know, he's cool with us. Well, let me tell you what Paul, the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5. He said, while we were enemies, if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't mean this to offend you. The Bible says your sin has put you at enmity. There is a, you're, you're, you're at war with God because of your sin. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. I want you to, this, this will be worth coming to church for this morning. Do you know what the good news of Christmas really is? You've never heard it put this way before. Here's the good news of Christmas. The war is over. The war's over. There's no more hostility between me and the God that created me. We're, we're, we're good. We're good to go for all eternity. Because Jesus Christ has conquered our sins. Jesus Christ has removed the barrier. Jesus Christ has reconciled us to God. Because once you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the, the Word of God says, you have peace with God. That's not what I'm saying, by the way. Here's what the Apostle Paul said, who, by the way, if you know his story, at one time was an absolute enemy of God, absolutely at war with God. And this is what Paul wrote in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what this world doesn't understand is this. They don't understand that this is where all peace starts. This is where all peace ends. This is where all peace comes from. Thomas Merton, you may not be familiar with him, but he was a brilliant, brilliant theologian. He summed it up in this one brilliant statement. Listen to this. Man is not at peace with his fellow man because he's not at peace with himself, and he's not at peace with himself because he is not at peace with God. That is the message of Christmas. Because of that baby that was born 2,000 years ago, the Bible says, God's Word said, Luke says, the angel says, you and I can have peace with God. Anytime you want to, you can go to God and you can say, Lord, I surrender, and God will say to you, the war is over. Because of Jesus, with our sins, we have peace with God. Here's a second kind of peace. For our stress, we have the peace of God. For our sins, we have peace with God. For our stress, we have the peace of God. Of God. Now, I want you to listen. This is important. It's amazing, it's amazing how much you can learn from history. I, I, was, I always loved history. If I could have majored in anything I wanted to major in, I would have majored in American history. I love American history. I love to read biographies. I could read American history all day long. I just love to read American history. Well, you can learn a lot from history, and you can learn a lot of spiritual things from history. One of the things you learn from history is many times, even though the war is over, there are still battles that are fought. Let me give you an illustration. You may or may not know this. The Battle of New Orleans, one of the most famous battles ever fought in American history, 
was fought on January the 8th, 1815. It was a great military victory. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that propelled Andrew Jackson to the presidency. He had only, he had 5,000 American soldiers. He won a victory over 7,500 British soldiers. In that battle, there were 2,100 casualties. About 2,000 British soldiers were killed and about 70 American soldiers were killed. Now, here's what you may not know about the Battle of New Orleans. All those men that were lost and all those men that lost their lives and all those men that died in that battle was totally unnecessary because there was one thing neither general knew when they fought that battle. You know what, that, you know what they didn't know? The war was over. Two weeks earlier, the Treaty of Ghent had been signed on December the 24th, 1814. But the news did not arrive in the United States until a month later. So this battle could have been avoided because even though the war was over in December, there were still casualties and injuries and death going on because battles were still being fought. And you say, what's the lesson from that? That's exactly the way life is. You're going to learn, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you become a follower of Jesus, let me make sure you understand this. Do not come to Jesus because you think, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my life to Jesus and I won't have any more problems. Now, if you believe that, I got a beachfront condo in Phoenix, Arizona. I want to say you're real cheap. Can I be honest? Sometimes when you come to Jesus, your problems don't just don't end. They just get started. Because even though the war is over, there are battles to be fought. And there are some of you here this morning, and you're trying to figure out. You wonder why. You say, you know, Pastor, I don't understand it. I love Jesus. I've given my heart to Christ. I'm a follower of his. I have trusted the Lord. I have peace with God but I don't have the peace of God. Why is that? Well, there are basically three things that can rob you of peace. Sometimes you have what I call uncontrollable circumstances. For example, sickness. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, you got a tumor on your lung and it may be malignant. All of a sudden, what happens to your peace? It's gone. Or are you experience the unexpected death of a loved one? Or you go in and the boss says, sorry, we're terminating your position. All of a sudden, peace is gone. You've got these uncontrollable circumstances. Then you've got what I call unchangeable people. These are people that you can't get along with them. You know, they're just difficult. You ever known people like that? You just can't get along with them. I read a verse the other day in my quiet time. When I'm for peace, they're for war. You know, you say, hey, I'm married to someone like that. I get it. I work with people like that. I live next door to someone like that. It robs you of your peace. And then there are unexplainable problems. There's just time that life just isn't fair. You just get dealt a bad hand. You don't even know why. And that's when you need the peace of God. And what I mean by the peace of God is the peace of God is that calmness of spirit that you have on the inside. Even when the world, I mean, your whole world is going to hell on the outside. Now, the only thing that can rob you of this peace is worry and anxiety and stress. Now, you go back to what Jesus just told us in that last verse I read. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Jesus said, follow me, love me, trust me, worship me, obey me. But no matter how much you do that, you're still going to have trouble. You're still going to go, you know, you're still going to have, face, have to face storms. You're still going to have stress. But listen, remember what he said, in me, you will have peace in me. 
See, here's what robs us. If you're sitting there, listen, if you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, so that's why I'm having trouble going to sleep at night, even though I know Jesus. And that's why inside I'm all in turmoil because I'm worried about my job even though I know Jesus. And, and, and that's why I'm so worried about my kids because I've got a prodigal son and I don't know if he's ever going to come back or not even though I love Jesus. Yeah, here's your problem. What robs us of our peace is real simple. We focus on the problems instead of focusing on God. We focus on the problems and we focus on the pressures and we focus on those people and we forget about God. And yet, here's what, here's what Jesus said. He said, when you focus on me, when you remember I'm with you, when you remember I got it under control, when you remember I got it, I, I got it taken care of, then you will have peace. When you remember you're not facing anything that I can't handle, then you'll have peace. My, my next-door neighbor and, and my buddy, Bruce McQueen, told me not long ago about an experience he had. It was super kind of cool. He is one of the coolest things he's ever done. He was actually invited to go up into one of these airplanes that fly into hurricanes. And he was telling me this story about, he said, James, it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. He said, I want to tell you now, he said, when you're flying through that hurricane, he said, they'll tell you, you have got to be completely strapped in. And everybody has these seats. It's not just a waist. You've got these double straps coming across your chest. He says, because if you're not strapped in, you literally can be thrown up against the roof of that plane and you can break your neck. He said, you wouldn't, you would not, he said, it, you don't even think the plane can stand the stress of, what's, of, of going through that hurricane. He said, man, that thing is tossed about like a rag doll. He said, but I want to tell you what was unbelievably awesome. He said, we're being tossed around and tossed and turned. I'm getting air sick. By, and everybody's got their bag by them, you know. He said, I've got that. He said, man, I think I'm going to upchuck. I think I'm going to lose everything right here in this plane. And he said, all of a sudden, just like that, we're just smooth. Just, I mean, it's just like flying on a cloud. And he said, you know what happened? We finally had flown into the eye of that storm. And he said, James, it was incredible. He said, I knew just outside the wings of our airplane, there were winds that were strong enough to knock a skyscraper over. And he said, yet here we were in the eye of that storm, completely calm. I want to tell you something. You're going through a storm this morning. You say, boy, am I ever going through a storm. Let me tell you something. There's an eye in the middle of your storm, and that eye is Jesus. I'm telling you, that eye is Jesus. And when you say, I don't care how big the problem is, I don't care how many the pressures are, I don't care how difficult these people are, I'm not going to focus on them. I'm going to focus on Jesus. You will have peace. You say, well, that sounds good in theory. It's not theory. The prophet Isaiah said, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Let me tell you something. If you don't learn anything else in this message, I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. You think the reason why you don't have peace is because you got problems. And the reason why you don't have peace is because you got pressure. And the reason why you don't have peace is because you're dealing with difficult people. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus. If you, if you don't have a problem in this world but you don't have Jesus, you won't have peace. But I can show you people everywhere. I can show you people in our church that are battling cancer on a daily basis and they're not even sure if they're going to make it or not. They have perfect peace because their mind is fixed 
on him. Christmas brings peace with God. Christmas brings the peace of God. So for our sins, we've got peace with God. For our stress, we've got the peace of God. Here's the last thing. For our strife, we have peace from God. Now, you go back to the Christmas story. Let me remind you of something. That baby that was born 2,000 years ago, he didn't come into a perfect world. He came into a world much like our world today. It was a world of woe. It was a world of wickedness. It was a world of war. And, and let's face it, you know, it's real, it's real, it's all well and good for me to get up here and say, now we, all, we need all this peace on the inside, but I know what you're sitting out there saying. You're saying, yeah, but you know what, James, I wouldn't mind if we had some peace on the outside. Well, I agree with that. Peace is something not only needed between neighbors, it's also needed between nations. And we also know that that peace has not yet come. I get that. In 3,580 years of recorded civilization, you ready for this? There's only been 286 years without war taking place somewhere on this planet. And I know that's not even accurate because in those 286 years, I know at least one couple was married. So that's not even true. During that same period of time, are you ready for this? 8,000 peace treaties have been broken. Here in our country, and we're a peace-loving nation, right? We want peace. In, the, in our own country, in the, listen to this, in the 236 years we have existed as a nation, we have been at war with somebody 215 of those years. As a matter of fact, you pick any year in our nation since 1976, any year, there is a 91% chance we were at war with somebody. And in our history, we have never gone one decade without fighting a war somewhere. Somebody has once said, Washington has this large assortment of peace monuments because we keep building one after every war. The United Nations Charter reads as follows. Listen to this. This is the Charter of the United Nations. Our purpose is to maintain international peace and security and to that end, to take effective collective measures for the prevention and removal of threats to the peace. I'd like to ask the United Nations one question. How's that working out for you? How are we doing there? I mean, there is no area in the world that ever has been or ever will be more of a hot spot for war than the Middle East. And if you read both Bible history and secular history, you'll know that the entire Middle East has been a boiling pot for fighting and violence and war ever since the beginning of recorded history. You go back in our own history for the last 64 years, every president of the United States has spent time and money and incredible emotional energy trying to bring peace to the Middle East. And guess what? We are no closer to peace in the Middle East today than we were 64 years ago. I read about a woman the other day that rubbed a lamp and a genie popped out. And she said, do I get three wishes? He said, no, I'm just a one-wish genie. But I'll give you any one wish you want. What do you want? Well, she said, you see this map? He said, yes. She said, I want all the countries in the Middle East to stop fighting so we can have world peace. Well, the genie said, lady, look, that, that, that region's been at war for thousands of years. And I'll be honest with you, that's above my pay grade. I, I'm just not that good. What else would you like? She said, well... If I can't have that, I, she's, I, I'd love a really good man. I, I'd love a man who's considerate, a man that loves kids, a man that likes to cook, a man that hates sports, and a man that enjoys house cleaning. The genie thought about it a minute, and he said, let me see that map one more time. Now, 
Look, we should never, ever stop trying to make peace everywhere we can. And I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. So what I'm about to say, please hear me. It doesn't mean we don't give it a shot. It doesn't mean we don't try. But there will never be peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace returns. There will never be peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace returns. As a matter of fact, if you want to know what the last book of the Bible is all about, it's simply this. The last book of the Bible tells us that one day, in place of all this strife that we've got going on, one day we're going to have the peace from God. Swords will be beaten into plowshares. And spears will be beaten into fishing hooks. And nation will no longer lift up sword against nation. And war will be the thing of the past. So as we talk about regifting, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus wants those of us sitting out there this morning who would say, I've experienced that peace with God. I know what it is to have the peace of God. Even in my own life, I have peace from God. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to leave this building and somewhere, somehow, for somebody this week, regift that peace. And give it to somebody else. You say, James, how do you know he wants me to do that? Because he himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Now, I want to get real practical. What you have in your heart, if you have peace with God, if you have peace, the peace of God, if you have peace from God... You've got an eternal security blanket. You've got a, a spiritual security blanket. And what I want you to do is I want you to put it in a box. I want you to re-gift it. And I want you to take it to somebody else. You say, okay, I, help, help me out with that. Let me give you an example. Take somebody that you know that's far from God. Somebody that you know they don't really have peace with God. They can't have apart from Christ. Why don't you share with them your testimony? Why don't you tell them how at one time you were enemies with God, but you surrendered your life to Jesus, and now you have peace with God, and tell them how they can have peace with God as well. Or maybe you know somebody out there, and they're worried, and they're fearful, and they're anxious, and they're under tremendous stress because of this problem or that problem. Why don't you take the time to go to, go to that person, take that person out to lunch, go take them to breakfast, go by their home and sit down with them and say, can I tell you about a time when I was worried? Can I tell you about a time when I was under unbelievable stress? And can I tell you how God brought me through that? Can I tell you just how I learned that God has everything under control and that God does really work out everything for the good of those who love him and he is there for you if you need him? And I just want you to know how you can have the peace of God. And then we get a little bit tougher because maybe there's war in your own family. Maybe there's a relative you haven't spoken to in years. Maybe there's an ex-spouse. And it's time for the war to be over. And you're the only one that can bring peace in that situation. Maybe it's an estranged child or an estranged parent. Maybe there's a friendship that's been fractured or maybe there's a relationship that needs to be restored. And maybe there's some way that you could intervene and some way you can intercede and you could even take a risk and say, look, we've been on the outs for a while. 
Life's too short. I've come to tell you I'm here to make peace. Or maybe in your family, you would have the courage to go to two people. You're not, you're not the one that's having the problem, but two people in your family are, or two mutual friends are. And maybe you'd have the courage to say, look, I, I've come here to say, I want to try to bring you together. Maybe you could restore a broken marriage. Maybe you could heal a broken friendship. See, the good news of Christmas is, and here's, here's the best news. You don't have to die to rest in peace. You can rest in peace here and now. Even with all the problems and all the pressures and all the people you got to deal with. You say, man, you don't know. No, I don't. But I'll tell you what I do know. That little baby that was born 2,000 years ago made a promise he's never broken. He said, I will bring peace on earth to those with whom I am well pleased. And I'm telling you, having surrendered to that little baby 50 years ago, I am one peaceful, satisfied customer. Let's pray together. With his bowed and eyes closed, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you may have a false sense of peace, and that's you can have that. I mean, it's very easy. You can go to a doctor because you've got a problem and the doctor gives, does an x-ray on you and you don't know what the results are and you leave and you convince yourself, well, things really are okay with me. I'm going to be all right until the doctor calls and tells you, no, <laughs> you're not. So you may be sitting there and you may be saying, well, I have a sense of peace. I'm here to tell you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not at peace with God. You're at war with God. There's a problem you've got. There's a, there's a, there's a thing between you and God. It's called sin. And you and God can't be right, and you and God will not be right until that sin's taken care of, and you can't take care of it. Only Jesus can do that. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he was buried. That was why he was raised from the dead, so that your sin problem could be taken care of. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in that Jesus, and you've never had that peace with God, I just want to ask you what I asked 1,470 people yesterday. Would you like to walk out of here and know?